Hey, what gives? We're all the rock stars. I don't know, but it's starting to get dark. <gasps> what was that? Oh, it's getting closer! Hello, campers! How you doing? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! It's Mick Jagger and Keith Richards! Welcome to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, where you'll experience the complete rock and roll lifestyle without the lawsuits and STDs. Woo! STDs! Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we're here to review episode two of season 14. One of my favorite episodes post season 10. It is episode DAB F22 How I Spent My Stromer Vacation. I am Dando. And I'm Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, was that, that your was, Robbie Williams impersonation? Or? That was my Mick Jagger impersonation. It's pretty piss, <laughs> piss poor, clearly. And um, by the way, folks, Dando just gave me a little bit of a heads up before we started recording saying, Watch your levels, guy, because sometimes, you know, you're, you're sending people deaf when you get too enthusiastic. And I apologise if I asked Dando because, yes, that enthusiastic opening may require... The first, the first thing that came, comes out of his mouth is screaming. <laughs> it just proves I never learn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, this is an episode I've been really looking forward to reviewing. I didn't know exactly what season it was in. I just knew it was coming up soon. And uh, yeah, when I saw it was the second episode of season 14, I thought, ooh, goody. But uh, before we get into our review of how I spent my summer vacation, we've got a very special shout out. It's Mr. Sean Davey. He's one of the original patrons, one of the original listeners. We do love Mr. Sean Davey. And he, uh, he joined us on our Patreon exclusive Zoom chat last week. And he asked us if we could give a special shout out to someone very near and dear to him. That would be his father. And he's asked us if we can say, uh, just, you know, we're thinking of you. Uh, he's been in hospital lately and his family want to remind him to stay strong, stay positive during this time. They can't wait to see you, buddy, when you come to Sydney and to let you know that the paint rollers will be waiting for you. So shout out to Sean Davies' dad. Uh, we hear you're not going too well, but stay strong and we're thinking of you, buddy. Yep, stay strong, Papa Davey. And and in honour of this uh, momentous occasion or in honour of this uh, heartfelt shout out to uh, Daddy Davey, Sean, you get a nickname outside of um, the New Names Challenge. You are now Sean the Deviant Devi. Takes one deviant to know one, I guess, does it? Or? That, that is correct. Welcome to the, uh, the <laughs> Brotherhood of Deviants. It's, it's just you and me, Sean. <laughs> but yes, shout out to Mr. What is it? Daddy Devi. Daddy Devi, that's what he's Daddy Devi. Dada Devi. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned, that was uh, we spoke to Sean during our Patreon exclusive Zoom chat last week. Uh, every mm. the first Monday of every month, we do a, a Zoom chat with all of our tw- uh, eight dollar plus patrons. Uh, but if you do enjoy Four Figure Discount, we would appreciate that if you show your support by signing up to become a patron, where for as little as a dollar per month, you get early access to this show and all the other shows we do on Four Figure Discount, talking Seinfeld. Uh, we also do the one about friends. We do going down to South Park and much, much more. Also, this month, we're going to be doing an exclusive review. We go back each month and revisit some of the classics. Guy and myself, we're doing mm-hmm. Deep Space Homer this month. We also <laughs> done a review of Shaun of the Dead. We did a review on Black Widow with Mitch. We're going to be doing a review of Pulp Fiction. Someone's also requested we do a review of an episode of MASH. So I'm yeah. looking forward to that. 
So, yeah, plenty of exclusive podcasts by being a four-finger discount patron. So, if you do, you do enjoy the show, that is the best way to show your support. Also, please continue to send in those reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast. Check us a review. Mm. Have star ratings. Chuck us five stars and let us know why you enjoy the show. Now, Mr. Davis, <gasps> oh how I God. spent my... How, what's that? No, I just want to congratulate that awesome housekeeping you just did. I mean, <laughs> wow, I think you covered pretty much everything. I mean, you just came through with the broom and the mop, just... <laughs> Kept that house, man. Nice work. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, yes. How I spent my strummer vacation. An episode that features the guest stars of, well, people say it's the one with the Rolling Stones. It's Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. It's not the complete band, but it's, it's remembered as such because they're, when you think of the Rolling Stones, they're the two that you think of. It's, it's those two and the rest. I mean, apologies <laughs> to Rolling Stones fans out there. I know I've got a friend who is a Rolling Stones fan and they are fanatic. They love their Rolling Stones and they love all the members of the band. But the casual person, they know Mick Jagger and they know Keith Richards. They do, yes. I mean, look, I will be the first to say this Charlie Watts erasure will not stand. Uh, but yes, <laughs> it is true. You do tend to think of the Glimmer Twins. You think of Mick and Keith. And I was... <laughs> I really like their appearance in this. I thought it was great. Oh, they, it was uh, great, yeah. I, I mean, listeners of the show will remember how pleased I was with InSync's performance when they appeared last season or season 12? No, that would have been season 11. Season 11? No, 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 maybe season 12. Maybe season 12. Maybe but early season bit, yeah. 12, yeah. But how they really threw themselves into it and, you know, they were so excited to be on a Simpsons episode. And, you know... I'd say there's a couple of decades between the members of InSync and the members of the Rolling Stones, but Mick and Keith seemed, if not quite as enthusiastic, they certainly seemed up for a really good time. I reckon they seemed more enthusiastic, particularly Jagger. He looked <laughs> like he was having a great time in the studio at the end. <laughs> what what I really dig is, I mean, the Jagger's got a long acting career that sort of runs alongside his his music career. He, he never yeah. really became a movie star, but he's been in a fair few movies, and I don't think anyone's ever too upset when Mick Jagger shows up on screen. It's like, hey, it's Mick. That's great. Keith, on the other hand, music is his thing. I think he's, I don't know if he's been in many movies. The only one I really remember was that he showed up in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, as, as the dad, as, wasn't it? As Jack Sparrow's dad, yeah, which was yeah. You know, basically because Johnny Depp based his performance as Jack Sparrow off Keith Richards. So it was a really nice uh, twist, nod, I guess. A, 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 a nod, nod. Yeah. A yeah. nod, yeah. But uh, I liked how enthusiastic and funny Keith was in this because... I don't know, for a very long time, I always thought, oh my God, Keith Richards is like the scariest man in rock and roll. You wouldn't want to get on the bad side of him. Then you hear interviews with him or documentaries about him. He just seems like the coolest geezer. <laughs> Doesn't he? He seems like an he gives incredible- absolutely no shits, but he seems like he's got time for everybody. Yeah, he's just incredibly chill, incredibly likable. Um, his his uh, biography, by the way, autobiography, Life, is a really mm-hmm. good read. It's fantastic. Okay. Does that have an audio book? Do you know? I imagine it would, and hopefully Keith would, would read it in his uh, tones. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're focusing on Mick and Keith, but th- this has an all-star rock and roll lineup. This is a, ver- a veritable Woodstock, or even Woodstock 99, of, of rock and roll stars uh, adding their voices to the uh, overall experience. Because as a kid, I'll be honest, I didn't know who Tom Petty was. I didn't mm. know. I knew who Lenny Kravitz was because he had a couple of you know top 10 hits at the time, yeah. sort of when this episode aired, or a little bit earlier, but you know. Uh, but also Costello. I had no idea who Costello was either. Or okay. Setzer. So it, it literally is an all-star cast. So Elvis Costello, Brian Setzer, you got Lenny Kravitz, Tom Petty, and Mick mm. and Keith. They're six of the biggest rock stars of all time. 
That <laughs> indeed, yeah. I mean, Setzer, Brian Setzer is one that I can I can imagine a lot of people might go, because eh, I think he's more regarded as a bit of a muso's muso these days. But back when I was a kid, a very long time ago, uh, he was the front man for a band called Stray Cats, this rockabilly trio. That had, uh, that's, what I, that's what I know him from. Also, I really liked The Nanny when I was a kid, and he guest started an episode of The Nanny and played a song with the... Brian Setzer, is it the orchestra? Is that what it's called? Brian Setzer it, Orchestra? Is that it's called the Brian Setzer Orchestra now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They all play a song live in the studio on the nanny at the end because they, they, they oh. film like the music video in the house or whatever. So I, I remembered him from that. But also my uncle was a big fan of Stray Cats. That's where I knew mm. him from as well. Yeah, yeah. they had a couple of pretty big hits back in the early mm. 80s. Runaway Boys, Stray Cats, Strut. I think Rock This Town's one of theirs. Rockabilly was went through a bit of a revival in the early 80s and these guys were really riding the wave. But everyone... I think does a really good job in this. Everyone was in on the joke. Everyone knew. No one was afraid to take the piss out of themselves. I, yeah. So, well, I'm going to spoil one of my favorite moments, but I particularly loved when they raid the guitar shack. <gasps> my image. <laughs> You've just. I've got the little. I've got the little green highlighter on that one. That's one of my favorite bits. <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> just, yeah, that- just, just oh, clearly, you know, the writers knew. That Elvis was going to be willing for it, to, to 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 say that obviously, but absolutely. The fact that he d- yeah. delivered in such a funny way, <gasps> my image it was just so good. Oh, like, yeah. this, I can imagine that day at the office, like at Simpson Studios, when all these guys were in there. Because I, I like to think they're all in there at the same time or similar mm. times. It would have been so great to have these all these rock stars who you can imagine would be really good friends in real life, just all hanging out in the studio, yeah. just being dudes. I thought uh, it just would have been great. You can just tell when the guest stars having a good time in the studio because it really comes through in the episode. Well, it's, it's one of my, it was one of my favourite bits of this episode, actually. Yeah, we're cutting right to the end here. But it's got almost three of my favourite things in a row in <laughs> that it's got a scene similar to The Lastest Gun in the West where you've just got Mick and Keith painting the house, doing whatever they're doing, just chores, and yep. yeah, enjoying a nice cup of lemonade or iced tea at the end of it. Very sweet. Got some outtakes from the uh, from the studio or some behind-the-scenes footage. Again, fantastic. And you've got a little something over the Gracie, which I'll reveal at the very end. But yeah, I, I, I really dug what the Rockstars brought to the table in this episode. So much so, in fact, that without them, or aside from them, it's a bit of a slim episode. I mean, luckily, the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp makes up the bulk of the episode. And getting Homer there does seem like a little bit of a stretch, which we'll we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, yeah. Aside from yeah, the rock and roll camp stuff, you might go, man, this is an okay episode. The stuff with the with the rock and rollers really takes it that extra mile. I thought the episode story itself wasn't too bad. Slim, mm. I'll accept slim. It was slim, just a way to get Homer to this camp, but. It's easy on first impression to watch the part where Homer goes, gets wasted, and then reveals all these his real thoughts on this on this taxi cab show about how he not hates his life, but he's you no, know, he's, yeah. he's, it feels like he's not achieved what he wanted to achieve. Like his dreams yeah. have gone, they've passed him by. It's easy to look at that and think, oh, that's pretty mean of Homer to say that. When really, you know, I think I guarantee you there's a lot of viewers out there who probably can relate to that exact same situation where. No, you don't think that some babe sunk her claws into you and now your life's over. No. But it's like you work a job mm. that you don't necessarily like because you have to to support your family. That's what Homer does. But the, the thing in particular that I liked about this was that the family didn't know because the character of Homer does mm. this and never complains about doing it. Yes. That's do it the, for her. So do it for it's her. Actually, it's, actually, it's actually a positive 
white on the character of Homer as opposed to a negative. When really, he, did, he didn't know he was being filmed. He was just trying to vent to the taxicab guy who he thought he was never going to see him again. He was just getting some feelings out because he, he doesn't want to say it in front of his family. Also, just a nice little note, the cabbie, wise guy. Yay. Yes. Uh, so I particularly loved, after Homer says all this shit, there's a look that the wise guy sort of gives to the camera as if to say, this fucking guy. <laughs> really good. So on saying all that, so yeah, I, I really um I really thought the the Homer story was was quite good, but you, you weren't a huge fan of it? It's not that I wasn't a huge fan of it. I think you're hundred percent right in terms of it's a very authentic and a very relatable in a lot of ways situation that uh, Homer uh, talks about. I don't know. It almost feels like enough of a an episode to do a real episode about or to do a real story about, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what it's good, what it does good here in this one is that it gives you a reason to accept that Homer deserves to go to this camp. He's not just going to this camp and spending his family's life savings on going to this rock camp because he wants to go to this camp. He's mm. getting to go to this camp because his family are trying to show their appreciation for everything he does for them. And so- the thing of it is, yeah, two things just quickly. When he's in the cab and he's yeah, sort of venting the way he is... It's very nice that he does lead with, there's nothing like coming home to your family. I mean, it's not the foremost thing on his mind that, oh, this sucks. Oh, she sucks her claws at me. Oh, these kids are bleeding me dry, blah, blah, blah. No, he's accentuating the positive. It's good to have a family. It's good to have someone to come home to. At the same time, you know what? Would have been nice to have done this, 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 and this. Yeah. So so there's all that. The other thing is, and I was going to talk about this when we go through the episode, but mm. hey, we're going, we're going through it now. That bit where they drop him off, at rock and roll fantasy camp, and they all explain yeah. why they're doing it as opposed to just yeah. you know burying him in a shallow grave in the woods. It's like, okay, you've got to explain this to us, but I'm buying the explanation. I mean, yeah. the way that, the way they say it, it's like, oh yeah, Homer does do some nice stuff for his family, and that's that's what I mean. And, and yeah. so for the, <laughs> you, you don't mind as a viewer going, oh, for the next act, you are enjoying watching him enjoy himself because he has earned it. He has, yeah. 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 I mean, I think even if you didn't really sort of niggle at you that, oh, Homer gets to go to rock and roll fantasy camp, but, you know, he's, and his family... That's it. Gave, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, he's he kind of deserves it, and I'm going to roll with the rest of this episode as a result. Yeah. Yep, definitely. And this was the last episode written by Mike Scully, and Mike Scully's really good at tapping into that emotional sort of uh, heartfelt aspect to it. And he's mm. done it again here because it's hasn't been that often lately that there's been a focus on what Homer brings to the table. Lately, it's all just been Homer does something stupid or Homer's doing something wacky, where what Mike's done here is that he's gone, I think it's time we bring to light that, you know, Homer may be an idiot, he may do some stupid stuff, but he does this shitty job day in, day out to support his family. And that should be noted and he should be applauded for it. And that's what he's done here. So I think it was good for Mike to do this on his final episode. Yes, absolutely. Hey, my favourite. All right, so now it is time for our favourite moments, Mr. Davis. I've already mentioned one of mine <laughs> with that, my image. I also really love the delivery of Mick Jagger's Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> that to me, I just sort of thought, this is Mick Jagger saying this. Mm. You know, he, he's gone He's gone all in. I love it. Yeah. There's... um. A great, uh, he's got a few on Netflix, but the stand-up comedian John Mulaney has got a few mm-hmm. specials, stand-up yeah. specials on Netflix. And in his last one, 
he talked about when he was a writer on Saturday Night Live and Mick Jagger was the guest host. Okay. And he was writing a sketch for Mick Jagger. And so he's in a room with Mick Jagger and like it's a songwriter's going to say, and Mick's saying, okay, here's a song. Uh, let's all go to the picnic. Let's go go have a drink. What rhymes with drink? And Mulaney's like, think? No. Sink? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Mulaney's like, motherfucker, this is how you write songs? <laughs> but, but he's just doing the whole, no. Yeah. (laughs) He's just in awe that he's around Mick Jagger and everyone's just sort of, everyone's just doing things for Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger would be like, Diet Coke, and one would appear in his hand. (laughs) So, but I feel Mick Jagger's sort of like the last of a dying breed. Who do do you think would be like top five now musos who it'll shake the world when they pass away? I think Mick Jagger, Paul Paul McCartney, McCartney, Dylan. Yes. Um, they're the, well, they're like the big three, aren't they? Pretty much. Maybe Steve Tyler? Yeah, Stevie Wonder, perhaps? Stevie Wonder, that's a big one. Stevie Wonder mm. for sure, yeah. So like, it's just like those iconic and rock and stars, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got a few others that'll be like, oh, man, those guys just delivered from you know, from Go To Woe. Like, you know, John Fogarty from Credence Clearwater Revival. It's like, oh, man. Or, I don't know, speaking from, <laughs> speaking from my, Sting. That's when Sting yeah. goes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean they, these are a little lower tier. I mean, but I mean, I mean he, he dug butt out of a well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but I think the big three are really Dylan McCartney. All due respect to Ringo, um, yeah. and, and all due respect uh, and, to and Mick, and all due respect to Keith and it's, Charlie. It's, it's, it's like when it's like when Homer with the um when the uh, the bomb hits Springfield and Treehouse of Horror, the uh, Omega Man, Jagger, Little Richards. <laughs> And the rest. <laughs> oh, let Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin, proper player. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but enough about listing rock stars. What else? Do I like about the episode. Let's, let's just list rock stars for the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the, the delivery. I mentioned this at the end of last week's show from Keith Richards of the bloody cardboard. <laughs> Damn it, we're very much in sync because that they're my two favourites from yep. this episode. <laughs> the bloody cardboard. <laughs> We know. <laughs> just the yeah, sheer just bewilderment. And also the way they do the whole benefit concert. So it's I'm doing a benefit concert for the victims of tonight's con- of tonight's concert. But <laughs> yeah. the original concert was a benefit. It was it said concert for Hollywood. Did you see that? Uh the well the, the first concert they go to is actually and okay, crossing this off my list of uh, questions, <laughs> trivia questions, concert concert for Planet Hollywood. A planet um, Hollywood. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the they. I don't know if it was actually a short-lived restaurant chain, but you know the one that was. Do you know about you know about? I, ne- I never got to go to it. I remember being so excited when it when it came, like when it was here, and I thought I've got to go mm. there one day. Because I remember seeing on the ad they had the um, you know the the life-size replica of the tr- of the Terminator in the glass cabinet and things mm. like that. And I thought this is going to be like my dream place to go have dinner, but unfortunately it just didn't last long, did it? <laughs> place with a whole bunch of crazy crap on the walls. <laughs> exactly. It sounds like my kind of place. Sounds like my studio. <laughs> <laughs> but as saying that, I spoiled one of your trivia questions, so let's get into the rest of the trivia. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, so I'll spoil one of yours, so I'll say one of mine. I okay. feel like I'm going to start with a really easy one because I feel like this would be one of your favourite TV shows if it existed. <laughs> what show was Homer wanting to watch? <laughs> 
Cross is another one off the list. Monkey Trauma Center, MTC. Yes, (laughs) MTC, Monkey Trauma Center. Fantastic stuff. By the way, yes, I I should share this with um, everyone who listens to Four Finger Discount, but patrons have already got a glimpse of my new new favourite movie, (laughs) CI Ape. (laughs) Sign up to Patreon if you want to hear a review of Guy and Dando talking about CI Ape. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, CI Ape. Okay. Uh, My first question to you, Dando. Yeah. After an evening of violent diarrhea, what door should no one in the Simpsons house open? I want to say the hallway closet. Is it the hallway closet? The hallway closet is 100% correct. Yes. Next question is, which magazine does Lisa say that she saw the show The Taxi Cab Confessions in or discussed in? She goes, oh, "Oh, I read about this in my recent issue of blah, blah, blah. I do not no good. know. Teen modern maturity. Oh. <laughs> well, I've got a Lisa-related question for you. Mm-hmm. When Homer opens his wallet and finds a bunch of IOUs, why did Lisa take money from his wallet? Ooh. Ooh, I should know that. Oh, for the bus? She uh, took it for the book fair. She needed book money fair. for Damn. the book fair. Mm. What was Brian Setzer going to teach a particular move oh, with a guitar. Uh, playing a flaming guitar with your teeth. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> uh, what was the girl in Tom Petty's song worried about? Uh, I won't look at it because I, I did write them down. It's something to do with public school. Yep. I don't know. Something to, yep. do with, something to do with school. Oh, but running out of chalk? That's one of them, absolutely. But it was the state of public schools. State of public schools, yes. You're worried about the state of public schools. That sounded more like <laughs> Dylan than Tom Petty. Uh, but anyway. Kind of similar. <laughs> and my final one, and you've got to be a bit of a Rolling Stones fan to sort of understand, not understand this, but to know this. Mm-hmm. What was the song playing when they were doing the Jagger Strut class? It was, was it Rip This Joint? It was She's So Cold. Oh, that's right. Yeah, rip this joint yeah. is in there, but uh, and rip this right. joint at the very end, I believe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm so hot for me, and you're so cold. <laughs> great, it's a great song, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yes, very good. All right, so that is trivia for how I spent my summer vacation. We'll be right back after this short break with our full in-depth review. Yeah, it is indeed shout-out time. Thank you to the following four gentlemen: Timothy Burleson, Brian from Boston, Chris Reynolds, and Jonathan Rossi. All one hundred dollar patrons for the month, absolute champions. Also, shout-outs to our twenty dollar patrons for the month: Dylan Haggett, Zach Pruitt from You Can't Disappoint a Podcast, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Andrew Zer, Kane Von Nagy, Christopher Darby, Joel Yoland, Jordan Molman, Richie, Katie G, Nick Barbaro, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts. Adam Sanderson, Matt Thompson, George McMenemy, Keith Nedham, Stephen Roberts, Ben Smith, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, the iconic June fucking Richards, Nick Patterson, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, and groundskeeper Noah. Thank you so much, guys. And also shout-outs to the following $5-plus patrons for the month, Mr. Seth Weens, Amanda Stayskill, and Alexi. Remember, if you enjoy the show and want to show your support, the best way is being a four-finger discount patron, where for as little as $1 per month, you get access to exclusive podcasts, including bonus Simpsons reviews of classic episodes, movie reviews, early access to all of our shows, access to our Facebook community, prize draws, monthly Zoom calls with Guy and myself, and much, much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash four-finger discount. But for now, sit back and enjoy our review of How I Spent My Stummer Vacation. 
The original air date of how I spent my summer vacation was November 10th in 2002. Uh, the episode was written by Mike Scully, directed by Mike B. Anderson. I do love me some Mike B. Anderson. Absolute mm-hmm. gentleman. Met him when I went to the studios. Nice. And the couch gag, there was no chalk gag. The couch gag was a, sort of a reference to jumping the shark where Very you're out in so. the ocean and the shark comes over and bites off Homer's legs. Actually kind of gruesome when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. But the episode kicks off with Homer entering Moe's. He wants a drink, but unfortunately he has no money. And Mo refuses to give him a drink, doesn't he? Hmm. So he you're just going to let me... But he almost does. Yeah, so you're just going to let me walk out of here sober. And you're okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that when Homer's going through the notes that he finds in his vaults or the IOUs from Marge. <laughs> Simpson. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, so Mo refuses to serve him. So he goes to alter his consciousness some other ways, going get the, the thin air, the extremely thin air on top of the hill. He licks some toes at the pet store, donates some <laughs> blood. Squeaky voice teen at the pet store. Yes. Yep, <laughs> you got to buy and those toads. <laughs> Are you feeling fine, Mr. Simpson? Jewish. I'm not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Drives wasted very, very dangerously, just leaning down. And he arrives, Lenny, well, before he arrives, Lenny and Carl are talking to Mo, and they just can't believe the way he treated Homer. What, you actually did that? You yeah. didn't serve him a drink? And Mo feels bad about it. You know, Mo used to be about the booze. <laughs> this is where Homer walks in. And Mo, because he's feeling bad, offers him a free beer, so he just takes it. And then we just get Homer just being a dick to everybody because he's, he's wasted. You know, oh. I don't care about the color of your skin, Lenny. You're still my friend. <laughs> I don't think that's being a dick. That's him being very friendly, albeit kind uh, of racist. <laughs> oh, but he is a dick to Carl next, though, isn't he? Oh, that's <laughs> right. I'll punch you and your son about punching him in the face or something. <laughs> and you, I've had about enough of you. But then <laughs> Carl goes to punch him. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Put points to the, the badge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be nice to be donated blood. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one thing I did like about uh, Homer's altered state. The way he got fixated on the word jerks, he's just calling everybody yes. jerks. Like, have you ever had that when, you're, when you've had one too many and you find yourself sort of saying, you find yourself hooked on a certain phrase or a certain term or something? I've, I've had that in the past. I can't I'm, I'm sure I have. I don't recall much when I'm drunk, but I, I haven't mm-hmm. been drunk for a long time, but I'm sure <laughs> I have. It, it's really annoying because I used to be the, the designated driver a lot for my mates. Oh. And as soon as you laugh at one thing they say, they think they're like the peak mm-hmm. of comedy. Yeah. And they just repeat the same shit over and over again. That's that's a mistake. So if you're ever a designated driver, don't laugh at any of the stupid shit that your drunk friends are doing because <laughs> you'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> but Homer here, so he wants to drive home. They're not going to let him. He, they try to take his keys off him. He throws him down the drain. This is where he says, ha, so long, jerks, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tries, pretends to drive, you know, they think, fuck this. So they hail the cab. This was a nice touch. Where to, buddy? Most heaven. <laughs> I did like, too, that at that point, you do hear the wise guy's voice. Ah, that's right, yeah. Where to, pal? Yeah. <laughs> the very next day, Homer wakes up and he thinks it's the morning, but it's actually 5 p.m. in the afternoon. He's been asleep all day. I couldn't even wake you up for work this morning. I had to tell Mr. Burns you had violent diarrhea. Oh, couldn't you come up with a less embarrassing lie? But you did have violent diarrhea. Nobody open the hallway closet until I say it's okay. Have you ever... So <laughs> yeah, when, when, what? Yeah, but when do, you, when do you call up work, right? Or when you're messaging work? Well, uh, I mean, you work for yourself a lot for a lot of your yeah. career, but when you wanted to call in sick for somewhere, what's like your go-to illness? F- food poisoning is a pretty good one. 
Yeah, a, a sore stomach, like a, 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 yeah. an upset stomach. That's the one you sort of you get away with a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Two words: bad burrito. <laughs> yeah, that would. Be- <laughs> I, I I used that at pop culture once when I was just like, I can't be fucked going in. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I've um I I tend to go with fish. I had some bad fish last oh. night. Some bad tuna or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fish. Fish is a good one. Fish is very iffy. Yeah. And it's it's like when you're calling in sick too, if you get not too graphic but a little bit graphic, like you say, oh, mm. a bit of diarrhea, then it's like, oh, we're fucked. Too much information. Take as long yeah. as you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got the squirts. <laughs> <laughs> the squirts. That's the best one, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so Homer's it, it done. Wor- sh- it worked on Dando last night. We were meant to record last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got the squirts. But Homer, <laughs> he's shit in the closet. He can't remember how he got home. <laughs> He can't remember how he got home uh, the night before. Took the light rail, whatever. Can't um, anyone just pretend to believe me? I believe you, Dad. And that's why you're my favourite. <laughs> Homer then wants to watch Monkey Trauma Centre, or whatever it's called. Like we all would. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. But they've replaced it with Taxi Cab Confessions or Conversations. Not Confessions. Conversations. It was the real show, I think. Yeah, It was, yeah, on HBO. Okay, HBO. So that was an actual show. I can't believe that they were able to film people and then just have... Obviously, they would have had to have signed a waiver. They couldn't just put people on TV without knowing. I reckon so. And I'm, look, I'm pretty sure a few of those would have been plants. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, fair point. Most reality TV shows are planted. <sighs> Looks like somebody got down tonight. Disco stew always gets down, baby. Because when the beat is hot, the... Hey, can you keep a secret? What is it, hon? I hate disco. It's all I've talked about for so long that people think I'm a one-note guy. It's just getting harder, you know? I had no idea Disco Stew was so complex. I really liked this scene here with Disco Stew. Mm. Adding some complexity to the character because it's always been so generic. You know, just Disco Stew, but then just the... You know, it's just getting harder, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's the kind of thing where... We've discussed this before... The idea of getting a story that gives you more of an insight into the character sounds good, but sometimes you get it and go, I didn't really need to know that. I prefer not no. to know that. Yeah. It happened with the, um, what was the episode where we thought, it was a comic book guy episode. He should just be the comic book guy. We didn't need to know his real name. We didn't really need to know his backstory. Mm. He's just the fat guy that runs a comic book store. Yeah. And even it. just this little insight into Disco Stew is enough. enough. I, w- I wouldn't yeah. want, you know, 22 minutes on Disco Stew. I don't need the origin story. Because then it would make all the previous moments less funny, I think. I, I think that might, that you might be onto something there. One minute you're a carefree teenager with dreams of being a rock star or a photographer for Playboy, then bam, some babe gets your claws in you. <gasps> and boom, you got a bunch of kids that always needs love. <gasps> so whammo, you get stuck in some boring job when they don't let you play guitar or take pictures of naked women, and all you can do is watch yourself get bald and fat and kiss your dreams goodbye. He just fence like crazy. But as you said earlier, he does say he, he loves coming home to his family first. Leaves with the positive, up. yes. But hmm. this is why sometimes he's a bit disappointed because he feels like he's not been able to achieve his dreams. But home yeah. the... I don't remember saying that. I don't remember we were going to be on TV holding up the mug. <laughs> I was on taxi cab conversations. 
<laughs> but I also like as well, I mean, he's not ragging on Marge and the kids. He's not saying, oh, no. my wife's my wife's a nag and my kids are brats and all this kind of shit. So he, I think he's unhappy with the situation that he's found himself in. He's not unhappy with the people in that situation. He's just like, eh, I had dreams. And it's, it's understandable. It's fine to you know, love your family. You can still love your family, but still a part of you sort of go, oh, what it would have been nice to have done that as well. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't of course. Mean, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you don't like your current life. Yeah. It just means that you're just like, that would have been cool too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. look, I'm very partial to Wise Guy, as you know. So I was very glad that he got his little moment in the spotlight here as well when Homer's asking him, so what are you, a ex-car, an ex-junkie? Yeah, little both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of shit's wise guy been up to? <laughs> He's a man of many faces. Yes, definitely. But uh, the family, uh, they all think Homer's going to be nice and then we get the big reveal. They're all really disappointed with him and they, <laughs> they all storm off and leave him behind. I, I was very partial to Maggie's little... <laughs> yes, as she's walking out. I like the... I can't believe they took Monkey Trauma Center off for this. Yeah. <laughs> so we come out for commercial and the family are all just venting and just they're all just angry at Homer. Just, you know, they can't believe he said all this stuff. Homer tries to justify it. Look, kids, marriage is like a coffin and you kids are like another nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to hear about it. You know, sorry we ruined your life, Homer. And I thought, I can understand why your initial response to hearing that would be anger oh but yeah. you're being hard on your dad because he does a lot for you <laughs> there is that i i'd love that analogy though i mean that'd be great it's a great insult to throw someone's way i mean if you're in a bad relationship and you've set up a, like a toxic family environment to say this marriage is a coffin and all you fuckers are nails in the coffin it's like <laughs> wow all you all you fuckers <laughs> yeah what a burn <laughs> very good <laughs> you're going to use that on me one day I'm sure this podcast is this podcast is a coffin you're a fucking nail in it <laughs> and, I, and there are a dozen dando shaped nails nailing down the fucking lid <laughs> Mitch's last words no, no. <laughs> oh man but uh, we're now at Homer's work and the family pick him up and they've got a suitcase in the car and he's going what the hell is this all about they said, we're going to be going on a trip with just him. Hmm. Where, where, where are they going to be taking me? He drives past the mental institution, the slaughterhouse, and the big <laughs> one, Santa's village. Ah! Ah! <laughs> we then arrive at just some sort of, like, it looks like a side road. How Homer didn't see the big giant guitar when he first rolled up, doesn't matter. It would, but, it would have been nice if that had lit up. True, yes, yeah, because it was just but, sort of you know. there. It's like, how did Homer not see that when he first arrived? But mm. anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm going to point this out a bit later because I'm pretty sure there's a Dando nitpick later Ooh. on in this episode. A Dando um, nitpick. I like Dando nitpicks. They're good. Mm. All right. But we'll get to that when we get to that. But in the meantime, yes, he's off on some side road. Doesn't know exactly what's going to happen then. What? Yeah. So all the family explained to him why they appreciate what he does and he deserves this. It's a trip to rock and roll fantasy camp. This mm. would be just the fucking coolest thing, wouldn't it? It would be. Um, do they exist? Um, they must exist, right? Not with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. I no, I, I <laughs> do, think do, you'd be getting you'd be getting like the lead singer of Sugar Ray. Or, um, That's tr- yes, that is true. Well, didn't didn't he appear in Scooby Doo, the original film? I think so. Yeah, but I think he might have 
had a bit of a reality TV career recently. Or Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice would be... No, I feel like maybe Kid Rock might do this. Oh, yeah. Well, anyone who hosts like those boat trips... Oh, and I think Flavor, Kid Rock... Flav. Oh, <laughs> yeah, boy! <laughs> It'd be the best. <laughs> oh, no, you know who would do this? Uh, who's the singer of Poison? What's his name? Oh, Brett Rock Michaels. Of Love? Brett Michaels, yeah. yeah. Ooh. He'd be all about it. <laughs> I don't think I would go to that fantasy camp. I'd, I think you'd be getting a different kind of fantasy if Brett Michaels was there. We had a family meeting and decided that even though what you said about us was incredibly thoughtless and hurtful, you had a point. Damn straight. You work a job you don't like, so I'm able to be home with the kids. And you take me places you hate, like museums, plays, and the Olive Garden. And even though you knew I ratted you out to the IRS, you never busted me on it. You what? So to say thank you for all your sacrifices, we spent our family vacation fund on something that's just for you. Do you like it? You guys are the best! I love you, I love you, I love you! I'm okay! I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you! I'm betting that one of the writers or someone in the creative staff was seeing their kid off to camp one day, off to summer camp in the US. And the little kid was probably running off to the bus and fell over and got him and said, I'm okay, I'm okay. And they wrote it into the episode as a yeah. result of that. I think that might be what happened. Mike Scully is known for that, just incorporating a lot of, from his real <laughs> life into, into the stories that he writes. Yeah. So they're now all waiting out in the woods, waiting for some sort of rock star to arrive. That'd be creepy as shit. You've gone to this rock and roll fantasy camp, just no one's there yet. Like, what the oh, hell is yeah. going on here? Yeah. <laughs> now, now, who's there? Because there's Otto... There's Clancy. Mm-hmm. Who else? One of the wise um, guys is there. One of the mobsters. Really? Yeah, you see him a bit later. Okay. Apu, uh, Apu was there, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, Apu. Uh, and Barney. Barney. Bar- I was going to say Barney. I was going to say one of the barflies are there. Yeah, Barney. Mm-hmm. I don't know because there was a few of them. Hang on. Let's go Frankie Ack. Let's type hot for me and see who's dancing. Hmm. All right. So, it, oh, Professor Frink's there. Ah. Professor Frink's there. Apu is there. Otto's there, as you said, Clancy, uh, Barney. That's all I can see at this point. So I think at that point there, it was yeah. just uh, Frank, Barney, Otto, and Clancy. Yeah, there's a mobster in there, I'm pretty sure, but I can't remember which one. Okay, okay, yeah. Might have been Louis, the one with the, the is it one of the afro or was it legs? Yes. Yeah. But um but yeah, so they're all waiting in the woods and no one's around yet, and all of a sudden you hear bow, bow, bow. <laughs> what a riff that is. Well, like when Keith first wrote that, he must have just gone, yep. I'm just going to make a million dollars out of this. It's a great song. But I, I love how, yeah, just that they, it keeps getting closer with each down, down, down. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> then they appear with a big stand, blah, blah, blah. And it's I, I, I didn't like, I know why they did it, but I hate it when they have to go, hey, look, it's Mick Jagger and Keith mm. Richards. It's like, hey, all viewers at home who don't know anything about music, that's who this is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I understand why they have to do it, but for me as a fan, I didn't need it. But I, the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, run by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Why would you then go, hey, everybody, it's the people who said was going to be here. Well, true. <laughs> it does say it's the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. You never can tell. You may get there and be like, Bill Wyman. <laughs> it's like recently, local reference, the Geelong Footy <laughs> Club, as a way of showing the appreciation for you signing up to be a member during a pandemic and not getting to go to the games, but still uh-huh. keeping your money. It said, every member gets a signed jumper by one of the players. I got my jumper and it was signed by some guy who's like a rookie who's been on the list for like six months. And I'm like, 
What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so yeah, I love the the, the, the discussing something that's discussing STDs. Woo! STDs. <laughs> <laughs> They explain the rules. Rule number one, there are no rules. Rule number two, no outside food. <laughs> oh, what a jib. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. But you know what I love? When you go to a restaurant and they let you BYO, usually like Indian or Thai restaurants let you do it. Khan Curry Hut lets you do it. They let you bring a six pack in if you want. It's oh, amazing. Okay. So whenever we go for Indian, I just take my own drink. It's great. I was about to say. You're talking about no outside food and you go in a restaurant. So you go to a restaurant and you bring in like a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, this looks like crap. Reach into your bag and pull out the... <laughs> no, I'm just here for the ambience. <laughs> go to Parker's Steakhouse and you pull out like a, a salad you prepared at home. <laughs> but ever, uh, Homer's really, really excited. He's been up all night. And uh, he's just, he just—he found a pill that he—he he, he found a pill on the ground. He took it, kept him awake. And then he thinks mm-hmm. if he stops talking, he'll die. Points out <laughs> Jesus over there in the corner, so he's a bit—he's a bit sort of screwed up. Now this next act is pretty much just different clips of musicians doing and saying funny stuff. It's that's there's no real story here. It's just a bunch of stuff no. that happens, but it's really it funny stuff, so it doesn't matter. That is correct. Yeah, Elvis Elvis Costello introduced to the sounds of his one of my favorite songs of his, "Pump It Up," mm-hmm. um, and. As you pointed out, yes, Elvis definitely playing this with his tongue in his cheek, uh, well aware that the whole Buddy Holly glasses and everything about him is pretty manufactured. God, the guy's name is Elvis Costello. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's Declan McManus. That's his real name. Um, so, ah, uh, my image. Yeah, it's it's very clever. Um, what, 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 what that does is, even for you, for someone who's a fan as well, it's like everyone knows it's an image, but it's like, it's not spoken about. It's like, oh yeah, that's just it's it's we we like him, so we just let him do it. He yeah. doesn't really discuss it either. So the fact that he's willing to sort of go, hey guys, I'm aware as well. Don't worry. It's like, yeah. oh, that's cool. People, people, if everyone's gonna pick guitar, I'm not gonna have enough to go round. Oh, wow. But there's lots of other fun instruments like bass. Come on. Who'd like to be a bass player? Out of my way, nerdlinger. My image. And I love I love the stuff with uh, with Brian Seltzer as well because I'm pretty sure the number of times that he's been called Brian Seltzer mm-hmm. in his life is somewhere in the high five figures. Oh, 100%. And I just love the... <laughs> I think I know what your last name is, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what, so there's something that happens here that pays off at the end of the episode. So Homer shows off this movie he's been working on with the baby, 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 baby. He's swinging the guitar Swing over the guitar over his head, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the guitar goes off and hits. So this is another thing. So how good was that? We need to start using that cheaper oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just like yeah. Jagger's sitting there with his little glass reading glasses on, or the typewriter yeah. working out the budget, and fucking Keith just standing behind him with a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> baby, 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 baby. We've got to start using a cheaper oatmeal. Sorry, Mick. Simpson. I don't know if smoking was as forbidden as it is in 2021. I mean, I don't think you have any character smoking a cigarette now, but look, it wouldn't be Keith without a, uh, without a fag dangling from his lips. So I'm glad the animated <laughs> version of Keith has a cig. Oh, the lovely Louise and I watched a 
doco on the Stones and how big they are in South America on Netflix okay. called Rolling Stones Olay Olay Olay, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd cut to Keefe occasionally and he's in these hotels. You know, I think he's out by the pool and just he's got his notepad for writing songs and a pack of Marlboros still going strong to this day. <laughs> Good on you, Keefe. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad that Keith had the uh, had the sig. I must admit, Mick Jagger's in pretty good shape for someone of his age. But I think they might have buffed him up a little bit. I think Keith, I think Mick's yeah. a bit more wiry. Yeah, <laughs> they gave him sort of extra muscles, a bit more tone when he's but, sort of strutting around. Yeah, that is true. They get, sort of give him a bit of a bigger chest, don't they? Yeah, he's a bit of a pigeon chest. So yeah, yeah I think they. Bulked him up just a little bit. I've got no problem with that. You know, if I was if I was on The Simpsons, they animated me. God only knows what I'd look like. I mean, I'd probably look like a comic book guy. So um, I would be taking any modifications that would make me look a little better. How good was the? Uh, so before we we skipped this part. So before Brian, we had Lenny Kravitz with the crush stuffing. Oh, of course. Yeah. Sorry, I thought that. I thought that was after the. Um, the uh, uh, she's the so cold part. dance, yeah. But how so? How good was it that I don't crush stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> which also pays off later again. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that happens here that pays off mm, later on. Yeah, I really yeah. liked it. Now I'm assuming that's not Kenny Loggins. Who, um, no, you wouldn't think so. No, well, it's a, it sounded very much like Dan. So let's have a look. Yeah, it did sound like Dan. He's saying that. Yeah, let me have a look. Uh, yeah, Loggins is not in the list of guest stars, so I would say <laughs> it's not. Kenny Loggins, <laughs> but still, still a funny gag nonetheless. While we're speaking about Buff, by the way, I mean talking about mm-hmm. how sort of, you know, Lenny Kravitz is nudging sixty. I don't know if you've seen pictures of him lately. He looks thirty. The guy, the guy's a beast. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's just you know got muscle tone up the wazoo. Always strutting around with his shirt off. I'm like, well, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. Uh, there was some YouTube video of him showing. It's like. Hi, I'm Lenny Kravitz, and welcome to my uh, compound in Brazil, where I come down and create music. <laughs> it's like, oh, motherfucker! <laughs> but this is those words. My compound. Imagine having well, a compound. <laughs> <laughs> but he just had this beautiful, like, little estate down in Brazil, and you know, a lot of indigenous art on the walls. You know. <laughs> I was simultaneously awestruck and impressed, and Get your hand off it, Kravitz. <laughs> very jealous. <laughs> yes, very jealous. <laughs> yeah, but so, so we discussed Brian Setzer, and then we are, now it's time for learning the uh, the Jagger <laughs> strut. Okay, strut, 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 spin and rooster. Look, everyone, Homer's got it. I'm so hot for me. I'm so hot for me. I'm so cool. Okay, now schoolmar. Everybody's naughty and freeze finish. I think every person, once they've heard a Rolling Stones song, at least once in their life, has tried to do the Jagger strut. I think any time you hear that opening riff to start me up, yeah, which we heard earlier in this episode, yes, you're going to put your hands on your hips and sort of turn your head to the side. (laughs) The lips. (laughs) Because it's just the best fucking film clip because it's just it's just it goes bam 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 it just comes up from the bottom of the screen it's like they literally said we can't be fucked filming a video mick here's a camera go fucking dance in front of it for three and a half minutes <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's not really a lot to the clip. It's just the band playing the song and occasionally yeah. sort of pulling faces. Charlie Watts looking at your camera occasionally sort of when he's keeping time, just like, these fucking guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. But, yeah, I mean, Keith's – I mean, sorry, Mick's stage persona and the energy that he puts into it, oh, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And for him to, yeah, gently take the piss out of it the way he is here. I mean, he probably – has names for all these various moves and that, like the moves like Jagger. Um, <laughs> say, Rooster, Rooster, Rooster. <laughs> all that kind of business. I love it. I'll be honest here. So this will annoy a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a place of love because I love the Rolling Stones. I love mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones a lot. I don't think Mick Jagger is a very good singer live. <laughs> I have many a live concert on DVD, on vinyl, on Blu-ray, and I've got plenty of live gigs of Rolling Stones. And I just don't think... Like, it's a great performance, mm-hmm. right? Rolling Stones Live is just one of those things you have to see for yourself. It's like, you have to see the Rolling Stones Live because it's just, as a performance, it's amazing. Yeah. But as... In regards to quality of the singing, not great. <laughs> I would... I'm going to speculate that... Mick probably thinks this, and yes, that's why he's putting definitely. so much effort into being a showman. I think he's got a great voice. I don't think it's necessarily up there with the great singing voices of all time, but it's full of personality. It's full of the songs tell a story, and he's a great storyteller in that. Or It's like an artist using paint. You know, and not everyone's going to use it the same way, and not everyone's going to paint beautiful reproductions or anything like that. Sometimes you're a bit more of an impressionist or a bit more of a fucking abstract artist or whatever, and that's what... Mixed voices, you know, it's it's. How many people try to imitate that kind of, I don't know, stray cat, cat, cat kind? No. Of, yeah, that that kind of yowl and that that he does. Yeah, know? but only Mick can do it. So yeah, I mean, I I wholly get where you're coming from. Yeah, there are times when I've heard the Stones live on YouTube or on DVD or whatever, and gone, mm, yeah, that's a bit thin, or you know, oh, he's not quite hitting the notes or whatever. But doesn't matter. It's Mick Jagger. It, it, that's it, yeah. It's it's Mick Jagger. So he can just he can go up on the stage and take a shit. It wouldn't matter. You'd still like, <laughs> you'd, you'd still pay money yeah. to go watch that. Are you kidding? Yeah, oh God, you'd probably like. That. Let me tell you something. I was I was at the concert where Mick Jagger took a shit on stage. What? <laughs> what? You were there? We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> anyway, where were we up to? We got we got distracted he's, there. With our, yeah, he's somehow we got to Mick Jagger shitting on stage. Rooster, yeah. Rooster, Rooster, Rooster. Uh, Homer does his version, which is um, a bit more like the chicken dance. Oh, that's right. Oh, and you know, and Homer's doing really well with the dancing, and then Jagger teaches them the whole. Make sure you say it's always the wildest town in the whole damn world. <laughs> that was a very good Mick Jagger impersonation. Then uh, I don't think it was, but but, just the, <laughs> but he prefaces whole- that with my one of my favourite bits of his stagecraft, with like school mom, everybody's naughty, yeah. <laughs> and, and and freeze and says. freeze, yeah, or something yeah. like that, yeah. But then we get the. The lyrics workshop with Tom Petty. This oh, was so. This was so. What, go. Sorry to rewind just a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my favourite bits in that, where he's like, "School mom, everybody's naughty and freeze," and he glances like, "Ow," because he's <laughs> really? he's clearly yeah he's clearly trying to you know pose in some sex. Ow. Oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> it's a very yeah. It's not overplayed, but you can ow. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was very funny. Oh, but, he's, but he's so committed. He's like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I don't want to be the only one left out. Ow. Ow. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Tom Petty. Rest in peace, yeah. Tom Petty. Oh, man. Yes. I, I remember I was, <laughs> I was walking through a mall in Geelong and just sort of looking at my phone and came up on Twitter and was like, Tom Petty's dead. I'm like, I, I literally had to, stand st- <laughs> I had to stand still and find a seat. I mean, not that I was, oh, but I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Tom Petty's dead. For me, the last one that really hit me musician-wise was when I was, I'll never forget, I was driving home from work and I was on Separation Street, which was about, you know, 100 meters up the road here around the corner. And it came on the radio and the news and said, uh, iconic British rock star David Bowie has passed away today. And I was like, you're fucking kidding. Mm. I could not believe it. I just, these are mortal stars. You think they're immortal. You just, you don't ever think they're going to die. It's fucking, it's David Bowie. And then they, and the guy was like, they came back from the news story with the DJ and he was genuinely upset mm. and crying and then he played Heroes and then I was done. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like hearing how much it affected him and then hearing those first opening chords of Heroes, I was like, oh, yeah. fuck now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so David Bowie was the last one that really hit me. I think Prince was pretty shocking as well. That just came out of nowhere, Prince. Prince like, and... Get the fucking Prince, real Prince, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. And... Look, his private life notwithstanding, Michael Jackson. Mm. Yeah. That's what, 11 years ago? It was 2009, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Anyway, but uh, enough about musician deaths. Uh, Tom Petty, though. So this, I've I've just got here, this was so Tom Petty. If he was going to be doing this camp, this is exactly what he'd be doing, a lyric (laughs) workshop with Tom Petty. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just great stuff how... This is how exactly it would go down if you just had your regular schlobs just going to a, a lyric class. We don't want to hear about this. We want to drinking and getting drunk and boozing it up. <laughs> and women who've legs and know how to use them. <laughs> Actually, I thought Mike Scully did a really good job of implanting little gags like mm. that for people who like your, your classic rock. There's a one, there's a Rolling Stones one later on in the episode that you probably know what I'm talking about that we'll yes. get to. But yeah, I just love that. So you just want mindless generic rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> See that drunk girl speeding down the street? It's <laughs> <laughs> worried about the state of public school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, man. It was really, really good. Lyrics are the hardest part of songwriting. But when you come up with something meaningful and heartfelt... Boring! Will you stop saying that? But rock stars are supposed to be about drinking and getting drunk and boozing it up. And girls that have legs and know how to use them. And why I can't drive 55. You just want mindless generic rock? Precisely. Uh. See that drunk girl speeding down the street? Yeah! She's worried about the state of public schools. Boo! She likes to party, she likes to rock. She prays that our schools don't run out of chalk. You can tell that Mike Scully was a genuine fan of all these guys because he... Mm. I I can imagine they would have had some input into their lines, what they had to say. Like He would have written the skeleton and they would have gone, how about I say this? Because you want... When you got someone of that caliber as a guest... You want them to come across like themselves. I imagine they were presented with a script with lines, and you know, yeah, the writers are probably going, "What do you think? You okay with it? And how about I say it like this?" 
whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I, if I was a writer, regardless of how much integrity I'd like to think that I had, if I've written a line for Mick Jagger and he said, I prefer mm. to say this, I'm not going to question it. Yeah. I'm letting Mick Jagger say it. As long as what he's saying isn't offensive and controversial, he can fucking yeah. say whatever he wants. It's Mick Jagger. That's the thing. And your name is going to be on the episode. So you can say, if it's not, te- if it's not a terrible line, you can say, that's right, Mick Jagger said something I wrote. And if it's a yeah. terrible line, you can say, he, he did that part. <laughs> there, was, there was script problems from day one. one. <laughs> hey, this is always death. When, when, when Mick takes over, it's always death. <laughs> oh, God. So the next thing we have is Keith Richards escaping the limo <laughs> class, escaping to the limo. This was another great thing. So, you know, he wants to, you got to make sure you're in great physical shape, cigarette. <laughs> every, every rock star here sort of like points out and takes the piss out of the one aspect of their character that everyone sort of mm. thinks about, but doesn't really say like Costello, his image. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's his, he's got an image, but he actually makes fun of it. You know, Keith yeah. Richards, is a walking. He's a walking fucking skeleton. <laughs> like I don't understand how that guy's still alive. Like he has. <laughs> if, if there's a definition of a cheating death, it's got to be Keith Richards. I just don't understand how the dude's still walking. The best thing I, I mentioned his uh, his autobiography earlier. Mm. One of the things he mentions in it is I always did good drugs. <laughs> you know. Okay. Or high yeah, quality I, drugs. Yeah. Yeah, I did high quality drugs. You know, I didn't do mm-hmm. street shit. You know, we're not going to afford yep. good drugs. I used the best drugs I could get, and that's that's one of the reasons he's you know hasn't checked out. Getting back to the uh, getting back to the class of Keith Richards, I did uh, this was always as a kid. I think this was my favorite moment in the whole episode when I was a kid. Just, They're bloody cardboard. cardboard. <laughs> 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 I, I do love Homer going to town on the on the cardboard paper. I'd say, I've got a private life. I'm not a role model, and so forth, <laughs> and so forth, <laughs> <laughs> not something like that. But yeah. Okay, follow me. Paparazzi to the left. I got him. I'm entitled to a private life. I'm not a role model and so forth. Good, Homer. Now, just past the groupies and we're home. Please sleep with us. (laughs) They're bloody cardboard. We know. I've always wanted to do one of these things where you run through and then cardboard cutouts pop out. It's kind of like, I think it's Men in Black. Where he shoots the cardboard aliens and stuff. Oh, like, yeah, they called it's called Hogan's Alley. Okay, yeah, I think that's what they called it—the FBI or one of those places. That's and there was actually a video game called Hogan's Alley that was pretty much the same thing. Oh, really? It's kind of like it reminds me of just playing a game. Remember Point Blank? Those the the the, the arcade game where there's a blue gun and a pink gun. It's just a bit. Oh a, yeah, just various arcade things just popping up, and you got to shoot things like little targets and that. Yeah, it just seems like so much fun doing a doing one of those things where you run down and shoot, <laughs> shoot the cardboard cutouts. But anyway, yep. so, you know, the, they put on their final show. So I like here, I think it was Homer playing the guitar with his teeth, with the guitar mm. on fire, because he'd learned from Brian Setzer. <laughs> uh, so the, you know, the, the show's over. Homer, you, know, you can't believe what, you think I'm better than you? The Rolling Stones are giving him compliments. The family <laughs> arrived. He can't believe that the camp is actually over now. Tom Petty here calling Marge your mother. I was like, I don't know if she looks... That oh she's no. pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> if if anything, she's probably what 10, 20 years younger than you, Tom? <laughs> I must have been up I don't think it was an unfunny line, but I was like, yeah, don't know about that. <laughs> then we get here. So this is for the ending. The lawn's not gonna mow itself and then it's gonna put the storm windows down. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Later on we see them doing it. Then Costello takes the guitar from Homer and the pick, Mick. and Homer's dreams are all shattered. 
We come oh, back from... By, okay. by, by the way, yes, this is mm. the point. We'll rewind a little bit for oh, okay. the, dan- the Dando nitpick. Oh, okay. Homer's guitar was on fire, and then it wasn't. Maybe he stole a guitar from somebody else? Okay, then. Okay. Well, I don't is, know. <laughs> this is easily worked out. But yeah, one second is like, this guitar's on fire, and he's doing the Hendrix thing over it. That whole yeah. guitar on fire. And I, I don't know if Hendrix ever did it with his teeth. I think other people have, but... He definitely set, definitely set the guitar on fire. I don't know whether he played he definitely, it. With... Yeah, he definitely did that at Woodstock. But um, yeah, one minute the guitar's on fire, and then he's playing it again very quickly after that, and it's like, hmm, that guitar wasn't on fire. That guitar was on fire just a second ago. I wonder what Dando <laughs> thinks of this. And and the answer was not at all. <laughs> well, I, I went so long nitpicking, and you going, it doesn't matter. Now I'm just like, eh, eh. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> came to the dark side. All right. We we um we come back from commercial. The family trying to get Homer away from the camp. They just dragging him away. Stop kicking me, Dad. Never. <laughs> just act like a little kid. Yeah, you know, he thinks his dreams are shattered. My dreams are shattered into shards of a broken dream. I guess I have to settle. Oh, this was really funny. So I just have to settle being fat, bald, nothing, whatever. But finally, now can we go? <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, oh, actually, just before this, so. Another nice touch, because it's like Richards and Jagger in this are like that old couple who'd live together. Yeah. So Richards, now before we leave, do you have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is the line I was mentioning. I'm so despondent. Cheer up, Homer. It's only rock and roll camp. But I like it. I thought Mike Scully did a really good job of just incorporating various things like that there. As a kid, shaved my head. I watch Dan go, hey, that's, <laughs> hey, that's <cool."> right. And <laughs> nicely delivered nice little by Dan. But I like it. We then get uh, Mick and Keith inviting Homer on stage for the benefit concert for tomorrow night because they can see how sad he is. Homer wants 40 guest passes. That's a lot of guest passes, but he gets it anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, but <laughs> uh, how cool would it be to just have friends like that? <laughs> I'm just friends with Jagger. 40 guest passes, what of it? <laughs> Homer is then taking advantage of his all access pass. What's he, he skips the queue to get some yeah. food or whatever, or get, drinks out of the fridge, ju- I think. Yeah, well, he jumps uh, jumps the counter at the snack bar and does he yeah. grab a drink or a or a hot dog or something and something like that. Yeah, another another squeaky voice teen or something. hey, <laughs> all access. Oh, go ahead, sir. <laughs> Gives him a salute and everything. <laughs> How good was it? Him? You think he's skipping the queue for the male toilet, but then he goes into the female toilet where there's no line anyway. <laughs> But then the girls, the girls swoon over him. <laughs> All access. Ooh. Oh my! <laughs> he then gives Mo, Lenny, and Carl their front row seats. Pizza and pup. Now that's a winning combination. <laughs> Very true. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa is holding up the sign that says "Dad rocks." They're all really excited for him. The dad's going to be hanging out with the Rolling Stones. It's a pretty cool thing. Mm-hmm. The Stones are then testing the devil head backstage. Keith Richards just wants to use it to light a cigarette. I love this. So the payoff with the crush stuffing. Lenny, uh, uh, Lenny Kravitz is like, can't you come kind of a more fuel efficient than Satan? Don't you have a crush to stuff, Kravitz? Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> then Homer thinks he's going to be playing. Unfortunately, he sees... For me, for, I don't know why, but it remind, when he said this next line, I just thought this is exactly what you would say. <laughs> so 
you misspelled Guitar Hero. <laughs> I'm just like, if this was guy, he thought he was going to be playing with the fucking Rolling Stones. He saw him writing, you misspelled Guitar, guitar Hero. Hero. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was such a funny, well-written line. Chica, uh, Jagger says, you know, you're the guy. I don't know why this tickled me so much, but Jagger's delivery of test Test. Test. It was fucking, oh, just the fucking best. <laughs> Test. <laughs> it was pretty great. Test. <laughs> I was, can't you do it? <laughs> they gave me, this fucking guy. <laughs> Test. But then, um, Homer goes in anyway. Everyone's really excited for him. They think he's going to be playing live. How good was Magia? I feel like such a groupie. Am I saying that right? Is that right? Groupie? <laughs> why, why, why are you performing the task of a roadie? Am I saying that right? Roadie? <laughs> Everyone gets really disappointed really fast. It's like, it's not Homer's fault, but I guess, you know, he didn't oh. promise he was going to be playing on stage. Yeah. But everyone starts booing him and he goes, nah, fuck this. <laughs> he gets a guitar anyway and starts playing. I felt good for Homer here. Screw it. Just do it, mate. Just do oh, it in yeah. the moment. You're only going to get the chance to do this once. Just go for it. But the band yeah. are not impressed with this at all. Before that, though. I really did like the woohoo El Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Salvador gets a shout out. Test, test, you're testing my love for you. Check, check, you're checking to see if I'm true. Test one, test two, test three, test four. You test me like the water in El Salvador. Woo! El Salvador! What's all this then? He's stealing the show from us. Not on my shift. Let's rock and roll! <laughs> Uh-oh. They're burning Homer. <laughs> Major was thankful that the spectacles come back in music. <laughs> but they end up crashing it. Thankfully, they all fly off it so they don't get squashed. And uh, at this point, uh, I like that Homer is like, like, did you know there's going to be a riot? Yes, yeah, son. Well, when you've been in plenty of riots, you just know when one's going to be here coming. <laughs> they, they're walking away. And the Rolling, well, I keep saying the Rolling Stones, but it's just all the musicians, I should say, yeah. are there and they just want to apologize to Homer because of the way they behaved. They feel really, really sorry. And they offer Homer the chance to come play with them the following night at the benefit concert for the victims <laughs> of this concert. <laughs> There's no need for apologies, guys. You're rock stars. You're supposed to be reckless and destructive and be celebrated for behavior that would land normal people in jail. That's what I told him, Homer. But just the same, we'd like to make it up to you. We're doing a gig tomorrow to benefit the victims of tonight's gig, and we consider it an honour if you join us. Well, you're very sweet, Mick, but the only rocking I want to do is in my living room chair, surrounded by the world's greatest backup group, my family. This was a really nice ending, and it felt earned. You know, sometimes lately they've been giving us these kind of endings, but it's just like, uh, you're just trying to pull the heartstrings for the sake of pulling it. This one actually felt like, it was like an episode coming full circle. It actually felt yeah. like Homer going, no, no, that is my that was my dream, mm-hmm. but I don't that- want that anymore. This is now what I want. There's nothing better than my backup, the world's best backup group, mm-hmm. my family. And I thought Very that was really nice. nice. The episode came full circle. He realized that he had a dream and he thought he wanted that, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He wants his family in the end. Yeah, he got enough of his dream to realize there are better dreams out there, or better yes. dreams it's, it's, that are more. My real life has exceeded my dreams. Yep, 
And then he's dropping the kids off school the next day in the Satan car. <laughs> yep, and uh, Skinner tries to be a bit of a killjoy, gets all his clothes burned off, and guess what? He's wearing Mama's Boy underpants. <laughs> <laughs> and they play, as you said earlier, rip this joint over the uh, over the credits. Top tune. We get Jagger and Richards at home, Jagger cutting his lawn, and <laughs> Richards doing the, 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 Putting storm, up the windows, windows. storm windows. Storm windows, because winter's coming. Uh, then you've got... Yeah, behind-the-scenes footage uh, in the recording uh, in the recording studio. Everyone seems to be having a blast, having a good time. Uh, and when you get to the very, very end, over the Gracie, what do you hear but Simpson? Honestly, this would have to be one of the best use of guest stars in a long time, I think. Like they, I don't think they could have done it any better. Everyone, everyone just played their role in the story perfectly. They all everything, And everything, you know what it was? As... Crazy as it sounds to think there would be a, an actual rock and roll fantasy camp with all of these rock stars, hmm. it still felt believable because yeah. it just felt like they were playing amplified versions of themselves. Yeah. And you would hope it would be like this. You get to sort of see the real personalities of some of these people. Yeah. And not so when you go to these camps, it's not a case of, all right, between three and five, Mick's going to be in this room to, ha- to do this, whatever. No, you go to this camp. You're just fucking hanging out at camp with Mick Jagger. You can just go yeah. talk to him whenever you feel like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Well done, Mike Scully. Your final episode was an absolute ripper. I thought this is one of my favourite post-season 10 episodes by a long margin. Look, I'll admit going into this, I was like, yeah, look, it's fun. It's a bit slight, but generally enjoyable. After this very entertaining hour or so of talking about it, yeah, I'm turned around. This was a <laughs> a very enjoyable episode with a little more meat on the bone than uh, I initially gave it credit for. Props to you, uh, how I spent my strummer vacation. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? I can't decide whether or not you should or should not take pills you found on the floor. It depends if you want to see Jesus or not. Yeah, true. Mm, I don't mind seeing Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the pills. That's what I learned. Take pills you find on the floor. Would you rather meet Jesus or Jesus? Mm, I think I'd rather meet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that I would pay money just to watch Mick Jagger walk out on stage and go, test. <laughs> test. <laughs> and then left and I was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the gig. Yeah, that, was, that, was probably worth, that was probably worth 250 bucks. <laughs> he should do that just to fuck with the audience. Imagine that. People aren't paying attention. Pre-show, right? Everyone's <laughs> yeah. just having a fucking drink, having a banter. Mick Jagger just walks out on stage, test, test. <laughs> It'd be good just to, just to do it and see who notices. <gasps> what? I think it'd be a lot of fun. From this day forward, your names will be... All right, Mr. Davis, it is time for round two of the Guy Davis Dunan Championship for season 14. So the current leaderboard stands at this. Uh, last week, you gave... One point each to Alistair Danik and Thalia Enriquez. Two points to Luke McKay. And three points to Philip the Hawk Hawkins. All right. Let's begin. One point hmm? goes to Jared Bull by the Horns Hornby. Mm-hmm. Jared Hornby. Uh, what has he got for us? He gave us Simpson for the devil. My apologies. I did not write this down correctly, but there was an, someone else in the mm-hmm. New Names Challenge, who came up with a play Same on thing. Simpsons to be for the devil. Jared got there first. This gentleman's first name was James, I believe. I'm sorry, I'm going to okay. look this up. I'm going to assume it was James Gunn. <laughs> That's right. Huge fan of the um, of the, uh, of the the podcast, just as we're a big fan of the Suicide Squad. So 
props to you, James Gunn, and well done with that uh, new name you came up with. Sorry, I'm vamping here while I am looking for James Proctor. James Proctor, okay, the Proc. Yeah, he came Simpsony for the devil, which is, is he, also we, good. Can we call him the Proctitioner? Ooh. Uh, we, no, I'm going to call him Proctor Strange. <laughs> I like it. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Are we feeling generous? Why not? What's his name? James okay. Proctor. Let's give him two, one point. One point each. One point each to Jared Bull by the Horns Hornsby and James Proctor Strange for Simpsony for the Devil. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we go. All right, two points. Now, <laughs> we're setting a precedent here because two people get two points each. <laughs> Just hand their points willy-nilly here. Did you find a pill on the floor this afternoon? <laughs> That's where I keep all my pills. Uh, <laughs> These two were too difficult to separate, so mm-hmm. two points go to Nick Ratatat Patterson for Dohemian Rhapsody. Ooh, I like it. That's actually the name of a video that was made by a listener of the show. I believe his name was Jared. Forgive me, sir, if I've got the name incorrect, but he actually got clips of The Simpsons and timed it so that it was actually oh. singing Bohemian Rhapsody and call it Dohemian oh. Rhapsody. It's not the Jared Hornby we mentioned earlier, is it? No, it was not. No, no. Okay. His name might not even be Jared. <laughs> J- Jason. <laughs> Jason. J- Jason Clear. I think it's Jason Clear. <laughs> he, he reminded me of Homer. There was like his, his name is Sim, uh, Sam. Sim, <laughs> Joe Joey Junior Shabadoo Shabadoo. <laughs> hey, Joey Jojo. <laughs> All right, but two points also go to. M, M dash, that's a sub-editing joke. Um, uh, Kufos, bittersweet, Simph homie. Oh, very good. Not a bad one, but who gets three points this time around? I'm glad you asked. It's Declan Joaquin Phoenix. Ooh, By the way, well De- done. I think, I think Declan Phoenix is probably enough of a cool handle. He doesn't even need a nickname. Declan Phoenix. De- Declan Phoenix. Imagine, is, imagine it, rocking- it, sounds like, it sounds like a front man or a leading man in an action film. It does, doesn't it? Nicholas Cage is Declan Phoenix. Time Crisis, starring Declan Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, congratulations to M. She only joined at the patron last last week. She's already on the leaderboard. Well done. Nice work, M. Uh, and we've okay. No more fun about Declan Phoenix's name, although it is pretty rad. Let's say it one more time. Declan Phoenix. Oh, feels good. Feels good on your tongue. It's like the part in your mouth. His new title is, and you know I like my dolls. A Rolling Stone gathers dope. Moss. I think three points is deserved of a song title. Mm, you may be right, but it's the Guy Davis new name challenge. <laughs> 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 but props, you're all rock stars to everyone who entered, all uh, nearly 70 of you who contributed new titles to the 70? Guy Davis new wow, name wait. challenge. I know it, right? But, you can uh, tell when people like the episode because they really get on board with all this stuff, don't they? The new name they and the mailbag and everything. They do indeed, but uh, yes, a special props to those five people who are now on the leaderboard. All right, so this week we had one point each for Jared Hornby and James Proctor, two points each for M. Kufos and Nick Patterson, and three points for Declan Phoenix, which means Declan's now tied with Phil at the top, uh, Nick and Emma tied with Luke McKay in second, and James and Jared are tied with Thalia and Alistair all on at one point. So after two weeks, you've already given out one, two, three, four... <laughs> 10, 16 points. <laughs> uh, I live to give. Jamil, Jamil is here. Ooh. 
First question here comes from David Stewart. David says, if you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, but it had to be sung by a guest star in this episode, what would it be? First of all, what is a song that you would, just any song in general, that if you only had one song to listen to for the rest of your life, what would it be? For you, what would it be? For me, it would be, you make my dreams come true by Hall & Oates. Ah. There's no chance I can listen to that song and not have a smile on my face. I'm going to go with Devil Woman by Cliff Richard. And you want Keith Richards to sing it? I like some of Keith's solo stuff. I think he, I don't know how many soul whelms he's done. He did Talk Is Cheap back in the late 80s with a great song called Take It So Hard. That's it's pretty neat. Um, I think I wouldn't mind hearing Mick Jagger sing it, although Lenny Kravitz, I think, would put an interesting spin on it. I remember there was a Rolling Stones album that came out in like 2005, and there was a song sung by Keith on it, and it was my favourite song on the whole album. It was um, This Place Is Empty. If you, if you oh, want a, a good Keith Richards song, look up on YouTube, This Place Is Empty, Keith Richards. It's awesome. Fucking awesome song. It's just a real slow-paced song. It's great. I, nice. I, I still enjoy it to this day. Yeah. Uh, but who would, who would be of this episode good singing You Make My Dreams Come True? Hmm. It's going to be Jagger, right? Because he's the most upbeat, I guess. Maybe. I think Setzer would put a... Yeah, Setzer. Lenny would give it a real rock yeah. aspect to it. Or, but... a, or a soul version, yeah. All right, next question. Sean Davies says, what would be your shtick with an instrument whilst performing live on stage? I thought about this one, Deviant. Uh, I've got a few, actually. One of the coolest moments in music history, as far as I'm concerned. Trumpet with your butthole. No. (laughs) Second coolest. Um, Actually, but it is a trumpet. I don't know if it's actually in Rocky Four, but it is the film clip for Living in America by James Brown. Hmm. They cut away to a a trumpeter. And he's twirling the trumpet like a fucking six-shooter. Yeah. You've, you've Our, mentioned this before, and I went on YouTube straight after the editing it and watched it. I'm like, holy shit, guy was spot on. It. I remember the first time, what? Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're doing the little John, what, a bit this episode. But I don't think I could do that. But if I was a guitarist, I would do that thing where you uh, zip the your pick up the fretboard. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. It's so show-offy and stupid but I love it. You mean you wouldn't go, beaver, 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 beaver. <laughs> I would hit myself in the head. I mean, <laughs> uh, and if I was a drummer, I would twir- I would always be twirling my drumsticks. I just think that looks so rad anytime you see a drummer twirling their drumsticks. Next question, Georgia Catherine says, what epic but out-of-the-box type camp would you love to attend? What would you do, Dando? Well, you said you already had an answer, so you, you tell us what you would think of, and I'll come up with something. I am going to extremes with my answer for this because one thing I've actually seriously thought about is doing one of those week-long silent retreats where you go and you just don't talk. You know, it's all meditative and all that kind of business. I know a few people who have done them and they say they're really good. You can't talk at all? No. I couldn't do it. Even when you're by yourself? You can't talk to yourself? Don't think so. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, just, I don't think I'd be able to do it. Interesting. I, I'd be interested to see if I could do it. So mm. that would be that. Alternatively, I'd be keen on doing like a week-long extreme sports shit kind of thing where, you know, say we went to Queenstown or something in New Zealand and did, okay, today we're on the uh, on the speedboat going up the river and tomorrow we're going to bungee jump and you end up, the last thing you do is probably parachuting or whatever. Not necessarily stuff that would, well, skydiving could kill you. Any of the stuff could kill you or hurt you. <laughs> but I mean... Nothing that's too requires too much exertion, but stuff that would give you a bit of a thrill. Pack them all into one week. I would like a camp where 
every form of transportation is a water slide. <laughs> <laughs> There's no walking. It's all mm-hmm. water slides. <laughs> <laughs> what about flat surfaces? Would that be like a slip and slide or something? Or? So slip and slide, yeah. So when you want to collect mm-hmm. your food at the cafeteria, you got to slide past and grab it as you're going past and then straight back onto a water slide again. <laughs> nice. You all should right, build so this. George McMenemy says, who do you see as the greatest rock band of all time? Oh, controversial. It is. We've talked, and you know, we've talked about some fairly big name artists, and I, I, I feel like you're going to say My Chemical Romance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, who, who do you think is the greatest of all time? Well, I think you've got certain bands that are at the top. They're in the pantheon, like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, it depends the, what and, you and- call. It depends what you justify as being the greatest. Yeah. Like, is it is it uh, impact on? future generations it is is it money made is it like what what how do you define greatest that's the thing that's a really good question and i'm not going to even try and define it but for some reason when i think of like a rock band that's just like sort of towering over other bands or Mm -hmm. you sort of say their name in a hushed awed tone i keep coming back to led zeppelin yeah they they sort of when you think of 60s Rock, they just defined yeah, it. Didn't they? Oh, they, yeah. they, they were seventies, weren't they? Were yeah, like yeah. mid to late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, they just- yeah. But something like "Stairway to Heaven" is like, yeah, that feels like a real knock it out of the park kind of song. Like, yeah, we've written an all timer here, and they've got. Yeah. I think they've got a few in there. I mean, and it's also just feels like a real wall of sound, and but also really dense and full of stuff. So uh, you, you know what's great about it too is that they've written a lot of songs that you that. As as a kid, I knew, but I didn't know they they this one band wrote them all. It's kind of like, mm. oh yeah, surely so. All that comes from one magical animal. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, Dad. All those songs come from some magical rock band. But <laughs> I remember it's the immigrant song, and mm. one of my favorite moments ever in movies because it's just it's just somebody in their actual element is Jack Black in School of Rock singing the immigrant song to all the kids in the back of the bus. Have you seen that? Have you seen School of Rock? I have, yeah. You know when they're in the back of the van or whatever, and he's just singing the immigrant song, and he's having the <laughs> fucking time of his life. I love that scene. Mm. <laughs> well, there's um, there's a song of theirs. I mean, I don't know if it's even one of their well-known ones, but uh, Misty Mountain Top. I used to love that Miss, song. My friend, Misty Mountain Top, was great. My best mate hated that episode. I hated that song. I loved it. <laughs> uh, when the levee breaks is is fantastic. But there's one mm. called Jamming with Stew. I think this is the song I'm thinking of, but it's just got this incredible bottom just just that's the drum beat. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is a machine. <laughs> so I'm, and get out of its way. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up a bit later, but I'm pretty sure it's called Jam with Stew because I can't remember much about the rest of the song, but just that drum beat is like insane. So look, I'm I'm gonna go with Zeppelin. I mean, it, this is not to downgrade the Stones or the Beatles or the Who or anyone like that. But yeah, for some reason, Zeppelin just feels like a bunch of incredibly talented people just making some really powerful music. Daniel Hartley says, what's your favourite Rolling Stones song? His is Gimme Shelter. And before we continue, we had a couple of extra comments there. Noah Daniel said, mm-hmm. Street Fighting Man. And yep. not, to be, not to be confused with um, Rage Against the Machine, Street Fighting Man. And D.L. Gorman also says, toss up between Gimme Shelter or Sympathy for the Devil, Brian McCoy. Those are both tops for him as well. And one more here. Gimme Shelter covered by Stone Sour with Lizzie Hale is a banger from Andrew Swan. My, I always loved... The, the song that got me into the Stones was just the basic start me up. I remember hearing it on the radio mm. and going, this is cool. 
And then it made me go out and buy the 40 Licks Best Of compilation CD, I remember. Yeah. I remember that was just in my ears for weeks. I was just in love with that one. Um, but what's your, what's your favourite song? Well, look, they named Check Gimme Shelter, which, of course, you know, yeah. people of people of taste will do. It's a, it's a fantastic song. One of my all-time favourites is probably Tumblin' Dice. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's uh, just a marvellous song. One of my favourite covers that they did was Get Off My Cloud. I used to love Oh, that. yeah. Mm. And I can't listen to Under My Thumb without dancing. Just under my thumb. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's, just, it's so fun, that song. I yeah. love it. Uh, Emotional Rescue was not necessarily rocking, but I yeah, that, but I like that, that, that. I was late to that one. I remember that being one of the songs on the Forty Licks. That I was just like, oh, skip, skip, skip. And then one time I couldn't get to my Walkman or whatever it was, and it played mm. out, and I was like, it's fucking cool. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's a great song off Tattoo You, which is the yeah. album with Start Me Up, called Slave, which mm-hmm. is yeah, just I, I like that late seventies, early eighties era of the Stones when they've got a bit of a not a disco flavour to them, but it's a little sort of... Uh, they're always very influenced by uh, the blues and by R&B, and I think they're influenced a bit more by modern R&B, even a little bit disco in this era. And Slave is just a terrific song. I'm gonna, I'll, put a link to, um, I'll put a link to it on the Facebook's uh, patrons page so everyone else can enjoy it as well. But yeah, they're some of my uh, definite favourite Stone songs. I like Harlem Shuffle and Undercover of the Night as well. They're later stuff, uh, but... Yeah, I, I, both, I get a kick out of both those songs as well. But Tumbling Dice is probably my all-time favourite. One song I wanted to mention as well, because Guns N' Roses used to cover it in their live show, was Wild Horses. If I'm ever oh, drunk yeah. and Wild Horses comes on, uh, that's it. I'm done. I'm gonna, I am have to sing it. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> song. All right, final question here from Jared Hornby. He says, what was your first concert? I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My first concert was going to see The Seekers. Uh, my nan oh. took me to go see The Seekers. I was a... My nan loved The Seekers, my nan Marlene, and she so she used to always have them on. And they had this um, she had like this concert video, and it, actually, so what happened was we went to the concert, and I was just in awe of it. I just absolutely loved it. And they filmed that concert that I went to, and they released it as like the twenty fifth anniversary Seekers concert, or whatever. And you have this this blue cover. I remember my nan had like the um the VHS of it, and it came with this big box set that had a booklet in it, and it was just like my favorite thing ever. It was just like this. You know when you open up a record, like a vinyl record, and you got the the inserts, and it's like it's an event when you open it up for the first time. I just remember this my nan's VHS of this Seekers concert that we went to. But I remember going to the concert, and it was at the Sydney Music Bowl. So oh, we were, yeah. I remember sitting on the grass, and I could barely see the artist. You could see it on the screen, but I just remember I'll never forget. I, I can still see it in my head sitting there with my nan, and my nan just like singing along, and me like sort of like arm and arm singing along uh-huh. with my nan. It's just such a good memory. And, and it doesn't sound cool, you know, going to see the Seekers as your first live gig, but <laughs> it's such because my name's passed now. But I just I had that memory of her, you know, us just sitting on the grass, just swaying to that. It's a song called Morning Town Ride. I, I, every time I hear that song, I think of that moment. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I'm trying to remember the first concert I went to. It may have been Dire Straits <laughs> with. Uh, oh, aren't uh, you fucking the coolest guy in the world? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> don't have die straight to that queue, but you don't, rec- you don't reckon? Oh, well, they're pretty cool. <laughs> they, they they sang the MTV song with Sting. <laughs> That's true, it is, and it was around the time of uh, of Money for Nothing. So yeah, that was a pretty good gig. I was only I would have been a teenager. I was probably in my mid teens at that time. Mm. Uh, and look, I wasn't a huge die straight fan. I liked them, but you know, it's like, Mark, oh, I Mark just comes across to me like a guy. You look at him, and it's like 
He's just a dude in a pub who wrote a couple of catchy songs, and now he's just been thrust yeah. into the spotlight. He's like, I don't really <laughs> want to be. I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Great anyway, musician, yeah, Mark Knopfler. You went you but, a big yeah, fan, so, but yeah, no, but it went along and quite enjoyed it. I'm trying to. I think that one of the first memorable concerts that I went to was probably. These are in the late ladies, late eighties and early nineties. So mm. REM at Festival Hall in Melbourne. This is around the time of the Green album, Orange Crush and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Great gig. Really good. Also, Festival Hall. Fuck, I'd, just sorry for interrupting, but Festival Hall, what a tragedy that's gone. That was such a like, that was like That was my favorite live music, music venue. I cannot believe that's gone. It was a dope venue. It was really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you just you, you could sort of feel the history in the walls and in the yep. floor when that's you went in That's where the there. fucking Beatles played. And they like, are you kidding me? How yeah. does that get salted? It's just it's, it's uh, a makes me show. angry. Uh, but I also saw Public Enemy and Ice T there. Whoa, <laughs> that would have been the best. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> it was definitely a sort of a rainbow coalition of uh, of audience members and. Here's Guy Davis, the whitest man alive in the midst of all of it. <laughs> you know, shouting along to Welcome to the Terror Dome and OG original gangster. It was it was the bomb. It was really, yeah. really good. Yeah, so I can imagine. they're two of my earlier concerts that I really have good memories of. You know, it was a really good live show that I was not expecting. I was given free tickets. Mm-hmm. Good Charlotte. Holy really? shit, man. Was that was that a good time or what? I, I, I know a lot of good Charlotte songs and I liked I liked that Lifestyles Rich and Famous song. Mm. I, I remember really liking that when it first came out when I was like 13 or whatever. But I remember when I was like 17 or 18, I was given tickets to go with a few friends to this fucking good Charlotte concert at Rollover Arena. Yeah. Oh, mate, they are really good live. They are just a lot of fun. It was like they know who they are. They get mm. it. You know, you know, we're not the fucking coolest guy on the planet, but we make a lot of money doing what we do because we do it yeah. well. And I'm like, you know what? You do do it fucking well. And <laughs> I, put, I, they kept busting out these songs and I'm like, hey, that's right. You sing this song and you sing this <laughs> song. I'm like, this is fun. <laughs> I, just remember, I just remember Good Charlotte as being a really, really fun live show. Anyway, so that is oh, the cool. mailbag for how I spent my strummer vacation. So next week we shall be reviewing Bard versus Lisa versus the third grade. Ooh, there we what go. could that possibly be about? I do not know. I have a kind of a memory of what it might be about. I think Lisa goes up two classes or up two levels to Bart's class. I think that might be what it be about. Maybe. I could be wrong. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed our review of how I spent my Stroma vacation. Don't forget, uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to show some support, the best way to do so is not only leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, but also by signing up to be a Four Finger Discount patron, where for as little as a dollar per month, it all counts, it all helps. I just bought myself a new roadcast for the studio here. Thanks to all the support we get here. On the, on the Patreon page, but you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts. Like I said at the start, you, we're going to be doing Deep Space Homer this month. Plus, you also get access to all the ones we've done in the past. There's hours upon hours of free podcasts. Last month, we did Home of the Heretic. We've done I Love Lisa. We did Home of the Clown, Home of the Vigilante. So many classic episodes. If you want to hear Guy's perspective on it, we've gone back and reviewed some of the classics, so it's all available on the 4th Finger Discount Patreon. This month, we've got a few movie reviews. We've got Black Widow, with, uh, with Mitch, we've got mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead, Pulp Fiction's coming up as well. Um, we're also going to be doing an episode of MASH that someone's asked for in particular, and just so much more. Also, you get early access to all the podcasts we do. This one, the Seinfeld podcast, uh, the South Park podcast, Friends podcast, and much, much more. Plus, patrons, specific patrons, also get access into this show even earlier. So, we upload this video feed unedited and raw 
for patrons. So if you want to see this show before all the clips are put in and just see Guy picking his nose and shitting in the oh. closet and all this other stuff, you're just going to be a four-finger discount patron for as little as $1 per month. Patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Thank you to, some, to everyone yep. uh, who has already signed up. And thank you all for just tuning into the show each and every week. The show would not be here without your ongoing support just by tuning in. And if you do have friends out there who like The Simpsons who may not know about the show, let them know, send them a link, and hopefully they enjoy the show as well. As I said, next week we're going to be doing Bart versus Lisa versus the third grade. I'm looking forward to reviewing that one. This one's been a hell of a good time. I do love how I spent my summer vacation. Thank you so much for listening. Mr. Davis, any final words for our amazing listeners out there? Well, before we get to that, may I just say, Shitting in the Closet is for $20 plus patrons only. <laughs> and in terms of final words, school mom! Everybody's <laughs> naughty and freeze. Shh.